Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beerlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wet, Chekhov's wearing red. Tita's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. I hope everybody's having an awesome 2022. Happy New Year to everybody. I love that song. The more I hear it, the more I like it. I'm just, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little biased, but I love that song. Anyways, welcome to Trek Talk, and it's Thursday night. We are live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our phone number is 646-668-2433. Put that in speed dial. Give us a call. We're going to be live for the next two hours, and we'd love to hear from you. We've got a lot to talk about, mostly the mid-season finale of Star Trek Discovery, but to connect. And there's a lot of theories flying around. Uh, What's the DMA? What's going on with Zora? You know, we got a lot to talk about. So give us a call and share your ideas. 646-668-2433 is our number. We also have our fan shout-outs, our Star Trek birthdays, and, of course, our convention calendar, calendar, calendar. And we do have a few news stories this week, not a lot, but a couple. So you want to stay tuned. Uh, before we get too deep into the show, though, I want to introduce my Trexperts. We'll start off with Charles. He's out in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. I think we finally cracked into the 60s today. That's the first time. Normally our our average should be high 50s to 60s. And we haven't seen that for a couple of weeks. I think we are feeling like we had some Vermont weather come through for Christmas. We actually wow. dropped into the we we actually dropped New Year's Day, I believe, to twenty eight. Oh, I would take that. I would love twenty eight right we now. We haven't had I a, would... we haven't had a free we haven't had a freeze in Vegas for about two years. And all of a sudden, we I'd dropped. be opening up my I'd open up my windows and slap on my shorts and T shirt if it hit twenty eight. I'd be partying like it's nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's six and below yeah, we're zero. in jackets and we're in jackets <laughs> and bundled up when it hits twenty eight. Wow. And uh we also have with us Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? Oh man, I am doing great. It is good to be back after a little bit of hiatus over the holidays. A happy new year to both of my fellow Trexperts. I love you guys. I love being on the show and uh happy new year to all the people out there listening to us too. Um Super excited to talk about this mid-season finale. It was so good. Spoiler alert. It, it was awesome. And you know what? It took it took two people to cover, to fill your shoes. 
One for your right shoe and one for your left shoe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I listened to the show afterwards, and you guys did a great job. So thank so, you very much, both to Admiral Ken and to Nathan. Yep, it took it took it took two, but we we muddled through it. Hey, so guys, uh, you can find us on Facebook at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. Go there, give us a like, give us a follow. Uh, you'll see the live long and prosper symbol at the top. Tell us where you're from. Every week, I pick 15 lucky fans. If you see a heart next to your name, that means yours truly, Uncle Jim, has chosen you, and you're going to be personally mentioned in a future fan shout-out. We have currently 79,912 followers, and uh, we'd like to see if we could crack 80,000 by next week, but we need your help to do that. So please head over to our Facebook page and give us a follow. We'd appreciate it. Um, As of right now, as of tonight's podcast, believe it or not, this is our 385th podcast of Trek Talking. Wow. Hard to believe. Wow, um, that's amazing. So, isn't that yeah. awesome? And, I was just uh, reveling have... the fact that it's been, uh, this is a right around my four-year anniversary as well. I started right back at the beginning of January of uh, 2018. So uh, happy anniversary. Well, I started to figure it out, and I came in about, about the beginning of December, five years ago. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. you guys are are like the TNG of Trek Talk, and you guys are like the <laughs> longest. <laughs> you're like, seasons four um, and five. <laughs> yeah, so we're, you, we've, I've gone through a lot of co-hosts, some of them longer than others, uh, but you guys have definitely been the longest. And uh, as of right now. Believe it or not, we have 72,153 downloads. That's Woo-hoo. just awesome. And uh, we couldn't do that without you guys. So thank you so much for listening, no matter where you are. And as I said, head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talk and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follow. And I also want to mention something else. I'm, I'll mention this again, but next week we have a very special show for you guys. You definitely want to tune in. If you're a Star Trek Discovery fan, um, if you can't make it out to conventions or you're you're kind of leery with this all this COVID stuff going on, then, boy, have I got a treat for you. Next week, right here, same bat time, same bat channel, um, we are going to have Noah Averbatch Cats on this show live. And you're thinking to yourself, Uncle Jim, what are you smoking? Who are you talking about? Well, I'll tell you who I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lifelong Star Trek fan uh, who married – a huge Star Trek actress um, who's an avid D&D player and who starred in Star Trek Discovery Season 3 as, as Rin, the Andorian who had his antennas chopped off by Osira. That's right. Rin is going to be on this show live next week. And you can give us a call at 646-668-2433 and talk to him live. And I'll tell you what, I've been chatting with him a little bit and you don't want to miss this show. He is so, so cool. He started as a Star Trek fan, so he can relate to all of us. And now he has stories from both sides of the table. So you want to mark your calendar for next Thursday. Get us on speed dial. Give us a call and talk to Noah. You definitely won't be disappointed. So anyways, back to our regularly scheduled program. Dun, dun, dun. So at this point in the show, we always do our fan shout-outs. As I already said, we get the fan shout-outs from our Please talk our from our Facebook page. <laughs> At any rate, Eric, why don't you get us started off with our fan shout-outs for this week? 
Oh, man, our fan shout-outs uh, start out this week in one of my personal favorite countries, Giorgio Staltari from Italy, uh, saying hello to us and sending a long life and prosperity with a little Vulcan hand symbol. So thank you very much, Giorgio, for listening to us. We really super appreciate it. And you live in a beautiful place. Everybody knows it. We're also saying hello and thank you very much for listening uh, to Vera Dirksen Vervant from Arnheim in the Netherlands. And we get a lot of listeners from the Netherlands, believe it or not. And I looked up this place, uh, Arnhem. It is nestled right there in the banks, uh, next to the banks of the rivers Nedrin and St. Jansbeek. And I am positive that I mispronounced those. I'm so sorry. But we have a live line. So, Vera, if you want to call at something like 2 o'clock in the morning, your time, uh, you can <laughs> correct my pronunciation live here on the air. But thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, Yvonne Ashman from Victoria, Australia says hello. Hello to you, Yvonne. Virginia Utegaard from right up here in the great Northwest in Washington State says hello. So, Virginia, thanks for uh, thanks for listening, and uh, maybe I'll uh, look you up next time I'm over the border. And Natalie Uskova from Yaroslav, Russia, which I was like, wow, that's a cool place I've never heard of, about four hours northeast of Moscow. So thank you very much, Yaroslav, for listening to us all the way from Russia. Is that our first Russian listener? Well, I believe that we have had people from Eastern Europe and sort of round the way there a couple of times, but it's the first one that I remember actually saying Russia. Yes. Yeah. I, when I saw that, it, I said, I think that's our first Russian listener, which is even cooler. Thank you, Natalie. All the way from Russia, <laughs> you you get the prize. <laughs> so what would that well, I be? Mean, Dasvidaniya. Thank yeah, you. There you right? go. There you go. See that? Yeah. See, I'm, all, I'm uh, multilingual. <laughs> is, that is? is that thank you or is it spasiba? It might be spasiba. Oh, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to oh, look yeah. that up. We don't know what oh, we're talking yeah, about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. How about how about how about this one? Kapla. I know that there one. There you go. The international <laughs> language of Klingons. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. Alrighty, Charles. Charles. Who do you got for us? Let's start off with Chris Glinter from Colorado, tied to Arkansas, a Star Trek fan since 1966. That's pretty cool. And was the dry side or the snowy side of Colorado? Oh, I hope you weren't affected by the fires, Chris. Uh, that was a big deal, and uh, our hearts yep. go out to all the folks in Colorado suffering through those fires over the last couple of weeks here. Oh, those, those just outside of Boulder. Yeah. I know a little bit of that area down there. I think it was sad to be part of that beautiful country down there. Mark Carter from North Wales, UK. Darren L. Stacy from New Hampshire. Chris Davis from Oak Park, Illinois, USA, just outside of Chicago, home of the famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright. Very close to my hometown, Eric. Love Oak Park. You have some beautiful Frank Lloyd Wright architecture there. And as an architect, I have a special appreciation for his work. In fact, I looked it up. The Chicago Park, by the way, too. That's right. They broke the curse. In fact, I looked up. In fact, I looked it up, and Frank Lloyd Wright was born just almost exactly 100 years before I was. Oh, wow, that's cool. That's a, that's a that cool statistic to know, yeah. 
and Sherry Brooks Whitaker from Georgia, USA. Oh, Sherry, I heard you had some rather beautiful and warm weather over Christmas. Well, we were sitting in the cold in the west. Of course, (laughs) Seattle was getting stocked in with snow. We love your peaches. Georgia peaches are the best. And your herbs, too. Peaches and herbs. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> and Jim, let's start it with some. I bet you can start off with somebody in New York. Absolutely. We want to say thank you to Patty Jeffrey from Brooklyn, New York. My grandparents were from Brooklyn, New York, 53rd Street between 5th and 6th Avenue. And I used to spend my summers in Brooklyn. I'd walk down to 5th Avenue and go to King's Pizza, best pizza ever on a clear day. I could look right down into the harbor and see the Statue of Liberty. Those were the good old days. Thank you for listening, Patty from Brooklyn. We'd also like to say thank you to, oh, my God, my eyes are going, to to Lisa Molina from Puerto Rico. Thank you so much. Top fan Thomas E. Applegate, who's listening in Indiana. Thank you so much. Grace Willow, who's in Australia, along with that one guy. Thank you so much. And I hope that one guy is listening and gives us a call back because we really, really would appreciate if we could know your name. But thank you so much, Grace, for listening. And last but not least, Dino Manzan from Makati City in the Philippines. I work with a guy from the Philippines, actually. So that's pretty cool that we have listeners in the Philippines. So that wraps up our fan shout-outs. Thank you to each and every one of you guys. And even if you didn't get a fan shout-out, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we have a caller on the line. I think I recognize this guy. Hey, hello. Thank you for calling Trek Talking tonight. What's your name and where are you calling us from? Hey, my name is Dave. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's David from Portland. How you doing, David? <laughs> good to have good you David. along. Good to have you <laughs> along, buddy. All right, guys. So this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays. That means Woo-hoo. we have to hear from Worf. That was not a Klingon song. No, Grumpy Worf says that every week, but we still love him anyways. So we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And this week, we have a rather lengthy list of uh, people who are no longer with us. So for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, this week we have 10 uh, folks we are remembering uh, from our Star Trek past. Uh, first is actor David Froman, who played the Klingon Captain Canera in TNG's episode, Heart of Glory, a great commander of a Katinga-class battlecruiser who uh, insisted that some Klingons who had been captured be executed, and Worf argued uh, against that. Uh, very cool episode. So David Froman playing Captain Canera. Happy birthday. I love that episode. That, that's, one such, of my, that's one of my favorite first season episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the in that first season, it's one of those ones where you get a real flavor for what the new Klingon culture is kind of like coming out of TOS and going into TNG. And I I credit Kanera with being one of the ones who kind of sets the sails, you know, in a particular direction in terms of what the Klingons are going to be like in TNG. 
And that's when we found out that the, the Klingons have the Klingon Defense Force now. And mm-hmm. um, on, on Stunt Treks with Dean Leslie Hoffman and myself, we talked to Dennis Danger Matalone, which and he shared a very interesting fact with us about that episode. The, he, he dies twice in that episode. He's the guy that pops out when, when the Klingons build the weapon out of their belt buckles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets he gets shot and killed by the Klingons. He's a security guy wearing a security a gold security uniform, and he gets shot and killed. And then he dresses up as one of the Klingons, and Warp shoots him, and he falls down and falls through the plate glass and dies on the ground. And then Warp rips his eyes open and does the Klingon death yell. That was Den- that was Dennis Madalone who played both of those roles, and he died both. That died twice in the same episode, which I thought was pretty cool. That has got to be a pretty rare thing for the same actor to die twice in the same episode. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> you could say that he was a die-hard fan. Yes, he was very die-hard. Oh. Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, people. That's the kind of value you get here on Trek Talking. Puns galore. Yeah, the entertainment value is just right up there. <laughs> uh, happy birthday, David Froman. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week to Gilbert Green. Uh, Gilbert Green played uh, one of the Ecosians. Uh He was a major in the uh, in the SS slash uh, Nazis of that time in the TOS episode Patterns of Force. You probably remember that one. Uh, he's he's kind of the major the major major should I say? Yeah. The guy who yeah. Um, very pivotal to the episode. So happy birthday to Gilbert Green, uh, as we remember him. We're also remembering actor Stanley Kamal, uh, who played Mr. Kozinski in TNG's episode Where No One Has Gone Before. Uh, and while that is a somewhat perhaps minor character of, uh, uh, of him, uh, of his, excuse me, uh, he has been in several other things. The thing that I mostly remember him from was he played Dr. Charles Kroger in Monk. I really loved that show, um, and he was like the psychologist in that show. So, but uh, Stanley brought Stanley also helped us introduce us to the Traveler. Oh, that's right. That's he an did. important episode because that's the Traveler. It is. That's well, our it first is. experience with him. Yep. Well, happy birthday to Stanley, uh, and uh, yeah, what a great episode. We're also uh, saying happy birthday and remembering William Boyette, who played Dan Bell in TNG's episode, The Big Goodbye. Uh, happy birthday also to Jeremy Kemp, who played uh, Picard's brother, Robert Picard, uh, from TNG's episode, Family. Uh, very uh, cool to learn that Picard had a brother that meant so much to him and to get a little bit of screen time with him. So uh, happy birthday to Jeremy Kemp. We're also remembering this week Michael Lamper, uh, who played an unnamed Achaemenian gatherer uh, in TNG's episode Vengeance Factor. Uh, he, Although he was in Star Trek himself, he's probably slightly more well-known as the husband of Marina Sirtis, the late husband of Marina Sirtis, who she talks about at conventions and, um, you know, obviously misses quite a bit. So happy birthday and big remembrances going out to actor Michael Lamper. And I got a story to share, oh, of yeah, course, because yeah. I'm old and full of stories. And that's what us well, old guys do. We impart our knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> upon right. the world, whether you want to hear it or not. <laughs> so, um, 
So my wife and I went on Sea Trek in 1991. We were promoting our Star Trek convention, and Marina was one of our guests at the convention. And we just luckily happened to be staying on the same um, level or deck as, uh, as Marina. Um, only she was up in the front, and we were like in the with the bilge rats in the back. But we were still on the same level. And my wife and I were walking down the hallway and we just happened to bump right into her. Her and her husband were getting off the elevator as we were trying to get on the elevator. So um, I stopped them to introduce myself, to tell her about that. I was the guy that was running this convention that she was going to be at next month, blah, 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 blah. And she just kind of brushed me off as well. I don't, I don't have time for this. And just kind of brushed us off and walked away. And we, we were just standing there like, what? Well, her husband, Michael Lambert stopped her dead in her tracks and said to her, these are my, these are your fans. I would love to have fans like this and made her, she was so, she stopped, turned around, apologized, you know, talked to us for a couple of minutes, said she was looking forward to the show and then went about her business with her husband. And I was like, wow, what a cool dude he was. Mm-hmm. And cause he didn't have to do that. And he did. And I was like, wow, he left such a, and I, w- I was so, I only met him that one time, but he left such a, a good taste in my mouth that when I was very sad when I heard that he had passed away because he was such a, uh, a people person. He really loved the fans and appreciated all the love that they put on his wife. And he made sure that she turned around and acknowledged us. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So we miss you, Michael. Okay, end of my story. (laughs) That's a great story, Jim. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, So happy birthday to Michael. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out our remembrances to actor Jason Evers, who played the character of Rayal in TOS's episode Wink of an Eye, not Blink of an Eye, uh, which is what uh, some people get that title wrong. Wink of an Eye, you'll remember him. uh, He was one of the five remaining Sclosians in that society who were all infertile, and they sort of kidnapped everybody from the the Enterprise because they, well, they needed some breeding stock. Uh, (laughs) But that uh, that actor, Jim, I don't know if you know this or not, but that actor, Jason Evers, he also appeared in uh, another one of your favorite movie franchises. In 1971, he actually appeared with both William Wyndham and Ricardo Montalban in Escape from Planet of the Apes. Oh, did he? Wow, how did I miss that? Well, oh. there you go. That's why I'm keeping you honest, buddy. It, it must be the senility setting in, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so happy birthday to Jason Evers for both your Star Trek contributions and your Planet of the Apes contributions. Uh, We're also saying happy birthday and sending out our love and remembrances to Alfred Ryder, who played Professor Robert Crater in another great TOS episode, The Man Trap. Uh, I always say The Man Trap. It's actually just called Man Trap, technically speaking. Uh, But that's an actor who also is just super famous. He's been in everything. He was in, like, The Man from Uncle and Mission Impossible and just, like, all these great shows from the 60s and 70s. So happy birthday to Alfred Ryder. We're also saying happy birthday to Vic Tabak, who played the character Jojo Craco in TOS's episode, Piece of the Action, one of our favorite uh, Western episodes from back in the day. But he is uh, perhaps more well-known uh, from a show that I used to watch uh, every, every, 
every day, I think. Uh, it was like in syndication at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I used to watch a lot of Alice. And he also played yeah. Mel on Alice, which I am so happy that Jim put that in his little bio here because that's definitely where I remember him from. And then I think I saw the Star Trek episode after I had already seen several episodes of Alice. And I was like, hey, that's the guy from Alice. <laughs> yep. It's my grit. You say Mel from Alice, and I can immediately picture him in his suit. Totally. I can immediately yeah. recognize that character. Like, oh, yep, I know exactly who you mean. Well, and it's so funny. I was realizing I was playing this game recently with my family over the holidays where you had to come up with, like, three names for something, and one of them was Bosses. And I couldn't – I just, like, under pressure, I couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, Mel from Alice would be a perfect guy to put in that category. <laughs> so happy birthday to Vic Tabak um, and your contributions to Star Trek in, the piece of the, in a uh, piece of the action, which was a great episode, of course. And uh, our final and tenth remembrance this week goes out to uh, – a, a real big one that I think hits us all pretty hard because we lost him just over two years ago and he was relatively young. Um, Aaron Eisenberg, who played uh, the perhaps the most accomplished and, uh, you know, just coolest Ferengi, I guess, from DS9, Nog, um, would have had a birthday today, January 6th. Uh, we lost him when he was just 50 years old and, um, Man, what a fantastic character. Nog is absolutely one of my personal favorite arcs, character arcs uh, from DS9. You got Nog, um, you know, you've got Odo. Uh, there are some, some great arcs in that show. And uh, Aaron Eisenberg, I know, is missed by my many, many people. And I know my Trexperts uh, have some stories. I never got the chance to meet him. But, uh, but yeah, guys, let's share about Aaron Eisenberg. Go ahead. Go ahead, well, Charles. I missed I met him, I've been to a couple of Star Trek Las Vegas conventions, three. I was to one, and I never got around to talking to anybody. And my second time going, it's like, okay, I must stop and talk to Aaron. And the stories I have heard, especially from the Seventh Rule podcast, is Aaron was one of the most friendliest people in the entire dealer room. Aaron would just stop and talk your ear off with such a big smile. And <clears throat> I was asking, I was like, hey, we'd love to have you in the podcast. He's like, hey, I would love to go on the podcast. Just get a hold of me. We'll we'll arrange a schedule, and we'll you'll cut. We'll I will do it. He was so willing to jump and say, "Yeah, we'll come in and talk." But I love the story that he and the the I can't think of his name that played Jake. The two of them got together sure. one time. It's like, sure, yeah. We ought to get to get. We ought to get together, and we ought to just do a podcast about DS9. And they just jumped in and started to work on a podcast, uh, work on an idea of the podcast. And there came the creation, the seventh rule. And they just took off, and their show was a blast to listen to. His wife 
is now a regular cast member on there. We hear a lot from her. But one of the funniest things I ever remember seeing, and I love, was he, he, uh, he the, the actor who played his dad, and Lita, Chase Matheson, would all come on stage on a panel. Both guys were in full Klingon makeup. <laughs> in fact, I think I think one of them might have even occasionally had their teeth in there. And they'd come in in full Ferengi costume. They'd come in as full Ferengis and have a ball with the audience. But one of the things that Aaron had a ball with that I had to laugh is he sat there and said, I got one thing thing I got to stop and say. I got one opinion about killing off Captain Nog. And he sat there and gave everybody the single finger salute. <laughs> he just sat there and didn't say it, but he just he was so unhappy with the fact that on the documentary that they killed off Nog. He was so unhappy with like, no, you can't kill off Nog. But he was so personable. And I think we would have gotten him on the podcast if it hadn't been for what happened. Oh, I think absolutely. it was just after that that I was trying to get him on the podcast before he passed away. Yeah, the timing of that was weird. I remember that. Yeah. It was. It was. And uh, listen, guys, on that note, it's time for our first commercial break. So run to the microwave, get some chicken wings, run to the bathroom. Don't touch that dial. We've got more birthdays to go through, and we'll be right back after we hear this very awesome Awesome song by a really good friend of mine. Enjoy. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But your time is finally here You can feel the change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down that's your call. We want to hear what you have to say. We've got faith to believe in just talking today. You've got faith in your fingers. All you got to do is sound out. Who can reach us right now? We've got faith. We've got faith. Faith that you can And we're back. And if that sounds familiar, that voice, it should be because not only did Eric do that song, but Eric also did our intro song. So that's pretty cool, don't you think? <laughs> I, I'm the CEO, the chief entertainment officer of the ship. That's right. He is. He's multi-talented. And the one thing we left out of that preview, though, was the phone number. <laughs> So in order to call now, it's 646-668-2432. You know, I don't know. Do you remember, do you remember when we first did that? We're like, 
oh, wait a second. We left out a crucial part. <laughs> yeah, because try to write a phone number into a song. It's very hard. It's very well, hard. Well, it's 75309, maybe. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is like a song that, you know, is kind of hard to listen to anyway. So you'll notice like our version is quite a bit faster. It's a little jazzier, you know, but you still got to stick with the rhymes and it's hard to fit a phone number into a rhyme. Yeah. So our phone number is 646-668-2433. Give us a call. We'll get you on the air. And speaking of giving us a call, we do have a caller on right now. Let me see if I can get this thing to work. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? It's Nate from Vegas. It's Nate from Vegas. You're not a caller. You're you're a regular. We get, we get, you know, we get excited about callers, but thank you, Nate and David, for being our most frequent callers. That's right. <laughs> our frequent, they get, they're our frequent fly, our frequent caller mileage. There you Absolutely. go. Frequent caller mileage. <laughs> and Nate, yep. great job last week, man, co-hosting. That was awesome. Stepping in for Eric. That's right. Absolutely. And uh, we have another caller on the line. Look at that. What? Two in a row. Yes. It, it's got to be your, it's got to be your jingle. Got to be. It is. We have yeah. faith. Let's see. All right. Why does it say totally never answers the phone? <laughs> there we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Shannon, I'm calling from Kentucky because I heard the music oh. and I had to call. You know, <laughs> you know what? We have the whole gang here on the line tonight. Woo. All of us are here. Woo. I love it. The whole bridge crew. <laughs> All 2022 at one time. That's yep, right. Yeah, we had to start the year this way. <laughs> That's yeah. right. We got everybody. Wow, this is this is awesome. How can we ever top that? Well, the only way we could top it is, is if that dude from Australia calls us back. Oh, man, my head would explode. Dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, now that we have the band back together, we're like the Beatles. We're back. Um we're going to finish up with our birthday. So, Charles, we're going to say happy birthday to Star Trek members of our family who are still with us. And who's on your list? Well, it's interesting. We got Eric read ten names, and Jim and I will have five each to read ourselves. So a lot of references from here. Yep. Let's start off with Diane Hewing, who played Droxine in TOS's The Cloud Minders. D.B. Newworth played Dr. Lionel in TNG's First Contact. Cliff Hawk played Vice Admiral Kennelly in TNG's Ensign Row. Jim Norton played Albert Einstein in TNG's <laughs> The Nth Degree and Descendants Part 1. He played a good Albert Einstein on the uh, Polydeck. And I love yes, him playing poker. Yes, yeah. playing poker. That was a great scene. <laughs> and this last one, I'm glad Jim gave this one to me because I recently heard a little bit of discussion about this actor. Matthew Frewer, who played Rasmussen, in TNG is a matter of time, but he, I think, is much better known mm-hmm. for one of the mid-80s dig- popular digital characters. 
Future where he goes to the 80s cafe and Max Max Mm -hmm. Hedrum is in there and he's fighting with Ayatollah Mm -hmm. Khomeini about what he's going to order. It's just just some funny stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you'd have to be old to get that reference, but. Oh no, don't say that. (laughs) Anyways. It's retro, it's okay. Yeah. There you go. That's right, it's retro. It's retro. It's not Mm -hmm. old, it's retro. (laughs) That's right. That's right, Shannon. We're retro. I'll mm-hmm. pretend to be connected to that end of well, things instead of the old man thing. <laughs> there you go. Well, that takes oh. care of my five. Oh. So, Jim, it's your turn to do your five. I've got five, and I always save the Klingon for last. And I do have a Klingon <laughs> at the end here. So the first one we want to say happy birthday to, this is a new one. This is the first time that this per actually, I've got two first time, three first timers. Yeah. Three. And three we've never even seen this character. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I've got three first-timers on my list. So the first one that we want to wish happy birthday to Christina Chong, who plays Liana Noonien Singh in Strange New World. Ah. We haven't even seen her yet. Um, but I'm sure she's going to make a great addition to our Star Trek family. Happy birthday. Um, we'd also like to say happy birthday to another newcomer to our list, another first time. So 2022, we got three first-time birthdays, and we got the whole gang together for the first show. I think 2022 is shaping up to be a pretty good year. Um, We want to say happy birthday to Carl Tart, who plays Lieutenant Kayshawn on on Lower Decks. He's the the guy that talks in riddles. Damarian. Damarian. Yeah. Damarian. Damarian. Yep. So happy birthday to Carl. And uh, another first-timer on our list is Diana Raphael, who played Queen Palmola in uh, Lower Decks, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie. And that is the one episode that I didn't like in Lower Decks, and I didn't particularly care for her character much either. But um, oh, but wow. happy Agreed. birthday to the, to the actress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, we also want to say happy birthday to the swearing admiral who put Captain Picard in his place in season one, and Magnuson who played Admiral Kirstein Clancy in Star Trek Picard. Happy birthday! He does. He is. He did have a lot of effing hubris. I'm not gonna lie. I agree with her. Yep. He, he did. He did. And as I told you guys, I saved the Klingon for last. So Star Trek Six, we'd like to say happy birthday to Brett Porter, who played General Stex in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And if you're trying to wonder what Klingon that is, I'll make it real easy for you. He only had one arm. So that's even easier. So when you watch the movie, you see the one-armed Klingon, that's him. That's General Stex. Shouldn't they they have killed that guy? I don't know what's up with that. They should have killed that guy. I, I know, a one-armed Klingon. That's, that's, I don't know how that's going to go can't over. can't even hold a battle. How is he going to – what's he going to do? Yeah, exactly. With Batlet, I don't get it. Anyways, guys. He needs uh, one for the Batlet. Come on. Well, I got, that's he's probably true. got he a could, gigantic he, left arm, that's for sure. He, he, could use it, he could use it in his toes. He could use his feet. Ooh, he could use like, a foot lift. Oh, Capoeira yeah. with a Batlet? That would be – There you mm-hmm. go. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. See, the show is not only fun, but it's educational. Full of ideas. And now that we've wrapped up our birthdays and we've wrapped up our fan shout-outs, it's time for convention, 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 convention. Calendar, 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 calendar. And this is the part of the show where we give you guys, the fans, an opportunity to catch a convention in your area. If you're aware of an event happening in your area, please go to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond, and send us the information, and we will get it on our very next convention calendar. Eric, why don't you start us out? You better believe it, Jim. We've got a few conventions to go through. And remember, you should always check into each of these conventions online first to make sure that things are going as planned because... uh, there's quite a bit happening around the world right now. We want to make sure that uh, you're not misled about whether they're actually happening or not. But as far as we know, Utaku Fest 2022 is still happening January 15th through the 16th at Miami Airport Convention Center in Miami, Florida. Also, WinterCon 2022, January 15th through the 16th at the Hyatt Regency JFK Airport at Resorts World New York in Jamaica, New York. We're also tracking on Stockton Con Winter 2022, January 16th, a one-day convention in at the Stockton Arena in Stockton, California. And unfortunately, literally within the last two hours, the convention that I was planning to attend, Fan Expo Portland 2022, was just postponed until next year due to the Omicron surge. Uh, Jim, what are you tracking? So we have Atlantic City, Atlantic. Atlanta convention. I've been to that convention before, absolutely. Uh, I I got tongue tied when I saw Atlanta. I was thinking Atlantic, and I just couldn't couldn't get it outright. Um, Atlanta Comic Convention 2022, January 30th at the Atlanta Marriott, Northeast Emory area in Atlanta, Georgia. We have London Comic Mart 2022. January 30th at the Royal National Hotel in London, UK. We also have Garden State Comic Fest, Winterfest 2022, February 5th and 6th at the Rockaway Town Square Mall in Rockaway, New Jersey. And last but not least, we have MissouriCon 2022, February 12th at the Holiday Inn St. Louis Downtown Convention Center in St. Louis. And Charles, who's on your list for conventions? Okay, well, let me scroll back down if somebody just took my screen back down. Let's start with Pensacon, February 18th through 20th, Pensacola Bay Center, Pensacola, Florida. Alaska Comic Con, February 19th and 20th, Carlton Center, Fairbanks, Alaska. Fan Expo, Vancouver, February 19th to 21st, Vancouver Convention Center, Vancouver, British Columbia. And Farpoint, February 25th to 27th, Delta Hotels, Baltimore, Hunt Valley, Hunt Valley, Maryland. Yes, and, and that is... That's convention calendar. That is my good friend, Mark B. Lee's old stomping ground. In fact, that's where I met Mark B. Lee, actually. So that's pretty cool. And any of these conventions, um, as Eric said, 
please check with the venue. Make sure the event is still happening. Make sure that you're aware of any of the COVID restrictions. And for further information, contact the venue for pricing and, and whatnot. Now it is time for Star Trek. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Now, we don't have very many stories this week. We actually only have two, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Um, Eric has got the first one. What, what do you got for us, Eric? Yeah, our very first story uh, says preview of Star Trek for 2022, which I am very excited about if you're like my wife and got to the end of tonight's episode and said, what? Discovery off till February 10th. Ah, Well, here's what we're actually anticipating for the rest of the year. 2022 will see more Star Trek Prodigy, along with new seasons of Picard and Lower Decks, all of which are highly anticipated. But the Star Trek universe is about to get a bit bigger with the arrival of the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, a brand new series set on board the USS Enterprise under the command of Jim's good friend, Anson Mount. Oh, I just love Captain him. I love him. I love him so much. I got to meet him at a convention. I've got to. I know. You're going to freak out, man. Your head's going to explode when that happens. Well, he yeah, is returning to. To the, he's returning to the role of uh, following his run in the second season of Star Trek Discovery, along with Ethan Peck as Spock, and, of course, Rebecca Romain as number one. There's a new cast, some fam- uh, playing familiar roles like Doc- Dr. Mbenga and Nurse Chapel, which I'm very excited about. The series is designed to be different from the other two live-action Paramount Plus series with a lighter tone and more traditional episodic sort of Planet of the Week format designed to satisfy old Star Trek fans like us. <laughs> well, we like um, we're, too. <laughs> we're not, not old, seasoned. We're seasoned. There you go. There we're you go. retro. We're, we're seasoned retro. <laughs> Well, also hey, yeah. coming also coming this spring is Star Trek Resurgence, a brand new adventure game set within Star Trek's 24th century prime universe. It's been a while since the last launch of a PC and console video game, so this is kind of a big deal. And the focus on story and the pedigree of the team behind it make this a potential highlight for the year. Now, Star Trek The Motion Picture was, of course, famously rushed to theaters for its 1979 theatrical release. Uh, The late Robert Wise worked with Paramount on a director's edition with a new edit and new special effects for for a release in 2001. Two decades later, Paramount has brought the team back together to bring Wise's vision to the HD era with a new 4K Ultra HD edition, 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 including newly rendered visual effects and updates. Oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. In Star Trek's heyday of the 1990s, Playmates toys dominated with a constant stream of affordable and collectible figures and toys spanning the franchise. But all that came to an end in 1999 except for a brief return for the 2009 Star Trek movie. In 2022, Playmates, that's right, you love those figures from the 90s, they will return with a brand new line promising, quote, attention to brand detail, authentic portrait sculpting, and new product 
innovations. That to me means Yay. like cool ways that these things might move or like do cool stuff. So, oh, I'm super excited about both those. But wait, there's more. That's right. In May, Pocketbooks <laughs> is releasing its next Star Trek Picard novel tie-in. And this time it's set to bridge the gap between season one and season two, which also arrives, of course, in 2022. Written by the always reliable and friend of the show, man, she was one of my absolute favorites, Una McCormick, Second Self will focus on Rafi Musiker, also one of my favorites. She is just such yeah. a good character, who finds herself torn after the events of season one, trying to decide if she should return to Starfleet. You think that's it? No, that's right. We're bringing comics in. IDW Publishing is, of course, returning their gaze to Star Trek Aliens with a planned series of extra-long one-shot comics, each focusing on a different iconic species. The first issue is due in February with a focus on Jim's favorite, the Kalash, the legendary Klingon warrior and founder of the Klingon Empire. One of the best Klingons, of course, of all time, and some really cool TNG episodes where he's a clone, but it doesn't matter. Future issues, issues later in the year will focus on the Ferengi, the Vulcans, the Trill, and others. Oh my gosh, you guys, what a year for Star Trek we've got planned. We got shows galore, we got comics galore, we got books galore, we got Una McCormick, yo. This is going to be an awesome year for Star Trek. <laughs> And, and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for the Strange New Worlds because we're finally going to return not only to the roots of Star Trek, but to the Enterprise. That's got to yeah. be exciting, Nate. Aren't you excited for that, Nate? Yeah, it'll be... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you still have me. Uh, it'll, be, um, it'll be good to see the, the past, but uh, there's always a danger to me with pretty prequels so um uh, of altering things so um but it, it, it'll be nice uh, seeing anson mount as pike again especially uh because i thought he did a bang up job uh with that character i think that's yeah, a really good I, point yeah that's a really I good love point his character. because i do think that a lot of the old uh tos fans are concerned about continuity errors and i know that um, you love to keep track of those things. I love to keep track of those things, too. I, I'm a little forgiving sometimes, but, ah, man, I hope they get it right, because if they get it right, I think the show has the potential to be one of the best we've seen. Well, it's got Anson Mount. Come on. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, Jim's got a huge man crush That's on Anson Mount. There's no question, but... <laughs> and I'm, do you think they're going to start the show with space? The final. Of course frontier. they are. He's gonna get, of course Is he going to read are. that? Why wouldn't they? If they, yeah, you know? I got it. They started with faith of the heart. I'm going to throw up. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hope they. I hope they start it that way because it is the Enterprise and the, and TNG did that with Picard. So yeah. I would hope that Anson would get to read that. And he's um, got that smooth, but, silky voice. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. really excited about the whole thing. And there's there's so much that that we just don't know. I'm looking forward to I Oh wow, I'm just I can't say I'm I'm psyched. I'm psyched. They they <laughs> they, they got me at Anson Mount. Uh we have one more story for you guys. Uh and this one this one I just put on today. Uh I it popped up on my feed and I thought it was relevant uh to twenty twenty two. And uh Charles, what what's going on here? What what what's happening? Yeah. 
In fact, while I was getting ready for the show, I ran into the article on another Facebook page. And it definitely, I think, is breaking. Star Trek Picard production pause after multiple positives for COVID. Patrick Stewart not among them. It's a new year, but it still feels like 2021. The COVID-19 pandemic still in full swing. And it's again impacting production of new Star Trek. <clears throat> After the pandemic delayed the start of production for many months, filming for the second season of Picard wrapped up in early September 2021. In order to make up for the lost time, they just kept going, moving straight into season three the next day. Production has shut down had shut down on Monday due to 50 members of production tested, production testing positive, which is just over 10% of the show's large 450-person crew. COVID protocols have its own production split into zones, but according to reports, the infection spread across multiple zones including cast in Zone A, although which members of the cast were not indicated. The, product, the Picard production remains shut down currently, but not expected to resume until next week, if not sooner. As everybody wow. has to have at least probably five to ten days of restriction and test. So That's right. They filmed. Still having problems. They filmed Picard in yeah, Hollywood, the so the the uh, the uh, CDC guide protocols are only five days now. They were knocked down to five days, so that sh- they should be re- resuming. Well, this was Monday. So hopefully, they should be resuming. Hopefully, soon. Right. Yeah. Wow. But ten percent of ten percent of the staff is no uh, no statistic to scoff at. No, definitely yep. not. So that wraps up our Star Trek news, our birthdays, our fan shoutouts, our convention calendar. And you know what that means, guys? From this point on, we're Trek talking, and we've got a lot of Trek talking to do. We're going to be talking about the mid-season finale for Star Trek Discovery. Uh, but to connect, and it was a really, really good one. We have our fan, our fan scores, which we get from our Facebook page from you guys, and then we're going to give our scores and see how we compare to you guys, the fans. So we're going to take another very quick, yet very important, commercial break. So run, run to the microwave and get the pizza, get the chicken wings out, go to the bathroom real quick. You don't want to miss anything. We'll be right back after this. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. And before we get started, I have to warn you. Red alert! 
Suffice to say, full spoilers follow from here on out, so if you haven't watched the episode yet, definitely go check that out first before you watch. That's right. You heard it right from Will Wheaton himself. If you haven't watched the episode, go do so and then run right back. But this is last week's episode, so uh, we haven't destroyed any of our... What what are you waiting for? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What are you waiting for? (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, guys. So let me see. Do I have a... Yeah, wait. Where is it? I do have a... uh, Before we get started, I do have a... I got so many on here, I can't find it. Usually, I get them, I get them queued up beforehand, but this one came up right after the break. So, um, yeah, here we are. So, we're going to be talking about uh, last week's episode. And, and if you haven't seen it, or to jog your memory, here's the trailer for you. Making progress. And I've earned her utter indifference. Aloof disdain is next. <laughs> we may be just at the beginning of our problems. Two options are clear. Approach the 10C directly or destroy the DMA immediately. Whoa! We have to find another way. Diplomacy will save the most lives. I am sure of that. I'm not. The decision we make now will have a profound impact. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 All right. So there <laughs> you have it. Every week. On our Facebook page, I post a question and ask you guys, the fans, on a score of 1 to 10, what do you grade this week's episode? And um, you can go there and you can answer that question. But, Eric, what did our fans have to say about this week's episode? Or last Uh, week's episode. Yeah, last week's episode, uh, Chris Trone said, glad to see we're getting stories with moral and ethical questions and that the fate of existence isn't fought for in every episode. The crisis fatigue is real. Given this one is seven, that's a big improvement from Chris Trone. Julian Phillips says an eight. However, I think that it could increase depending on how everything is resolved in the next episode. The two debates and how to approach the DMA creators and about Zoria's sentience were excellent. Annette Collins gave it a 10 all the way. It was great. Top fan Hayden Richards said a 10. That trailer for the next installment looks amazing. Wow. William Chris Prince says a 9. I really loved how Stamets came around with Zora. Me too, buddy. Although, at first, I really, really didn't like Dr. Kovich. When I looked back on the episode, I think he was gauging how Stamets and others would react to him pulling the plug on Zora. Agreed. We'll talk about that. Stamets had trouble trusting Zora, and when Dr. Kovich insisted that he was thinking very seriously about basically killing Zora, that kind of made Stamets step back, which I think he was looking for Stamets' reactions. In other words, it was a mind game, and Stamets pulled through without realizing it. And I agree with Dr. Kovich that if Stamets hadn't changed his position, he was going to ask Starfleet to reassign him. The reason I didn't give it a 10 was because I missed Tilly, although I think Adira and Gray are kind of making up for that. So William Chris Prince, thanks for the detailed explanation. And, man, I have to agree with every single thing that you just said. (laughs) Maddie Robles gave it a 10. Carl Scroll gave it a 9. Christopher Morgan said uh, 5. This season isn't that good. And Bruce Miller gave it a 10. And top fan Stephen Thompson said a solid 7.5. 
So average out what we got from all the fans. And this one comes in, Jim, at an 8.6, which I will tell you is just a skosh above uh, episodes three and five and comes in at our number one rated episode of the season so far, which to me is appropriate for a mid-season ender, right? And if you remember in season one, do you remember how they ended the season one mid-season finale? Oh, yeah. Because, boy, did we talk about it. At, Big time. When, when they ended up in the mirror universe, and they yep. left us hanging right there. Like, what? And, uh, yeah, I was like, you, what? jump back. And so they kind of they did the same thing here. They, they set it up and left it. And, uh, yeah, I would be a little bit upset if we weren't having Prodigy to watch, which – which Prodigy's episode tonight was awesome. We'll talk about that next week. But um, so I it's still have Star Trek like to watch. They planned it. It's almost like they you would think so. <laughs> I, I saw on another Facebook page right before when I when I was doing the article about the COVID, I didn't have a chance to verify it. But uh, on another page, and I'll try to verify this for next week. Um, there was somebody that said that this this mid season break and bringing Prodigy back is to make sure that season two of Picard lines up the fall right when Discovery comes back and wraps. I don't know if that's true because I didn't look at the calendar, but this guy had it all worked out so that when Prodigy finishes up this run, Discovery comes back and finishes up its run, the next new episode that we see the following week will be episode one of season two of Star Trek Picard. So, I mean, uh, I gotta I, tell you, I, I feel like juggling this Star Trek franchise is like juggling a constantly changing number of balls yeah. over the course of a year, you know? And whatever you might say about the shows and whatnot, they are doing a pretty darn good job of trying to make accommodations for code protocols and, you know, people getting pregnant or like whatever is going on in people's lives. They're doing a great job in this. Somehow they're still maintaining almost constant Star Trek throughout a year, which is amazing to me. It's like and the I, 90s, but like 10 times better. I think it's, I think I have uh, they, have, they have all these animated shows in their back pocket, and that right. helps tremendously because COVID will never affect those because they're just voice <laughs> actors and artists. So um, even if working. COVID shuts down Picard or shuts down Strange New Worlds, um, they can always lean on these on Prodigy and Lower Decks to fill in the gaps because just because of the nature of that particular genre. So totally. that's pretty cool. So um, but I, I we think, do have. I think what, go ahead, Charles. I think what's going to happen is we're going to we're going to get hit with Prodigy, finish off mm-hmm. uh, five more episodes of Prodigy, finish the second half of the, of the season for Discovery. Go into Picard. I think as soon as Picard's done, we're going to go straight into straight into Strange New World. And when that's over, I think we're going right into Lower Deck. Oh baby, that's perfect. I think I think I it's going to be flipped, be... though. I, I think it's going to be flipped. I think we'll see Lower Decks before Strange New Worlds, but I I could be wrong. Hasn't Strange New Worlds been in the can for a while though? Yeah, but they they said it was yeah, going to be late. It and, well, it, you know what? Anson Mount is worth the wait. You know, he's, he's the bomb. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's totally worth it. Every time. 
<laughs> hit it. That's all. I just want to hear him say hit it on the bridge of the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I always wanted uh, Michael to say Burnham, though. Like, wouldn't that be Burnham. awesome? <laughs> Burnham. 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 Ah. Well, By the guys, way, I got a are... car a couple years ago, and her name is Michael Burnham. Really? Oh, good That's yeah. Cool. Well, I have a Sally. My other cars are Sally Ride, so I have Michael Burnham and oh. Sally Ride. Oh my gosh! I literally <laughs> hear the name Sally Ride, and tears come to my eyes. Man, that was such a pivotal Aww. moment in my life. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you, you guys, guys, we have we have another caller on the line. No way. And I swear I don't recognize this number. So is it from Australia? If I can get, it might be. If I can get. <laughs> What's if I can get this thing to work here, uh, the, my computer is being very – it doesn't like the cold, I guess. Uh, there we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Hello? Caller? Hello? Hello? McFly? <laughs> Hello? 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 You don't bite. Hello. You don't bite. We're here. What's on your mind? Oh, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Hello? Hello? Hello. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, hold on. What's happening? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. Can you you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, look, okay, my name is Ray, and I'm from New York, and um, you guys are discussing about the Star Trek Parallel University, and, and, and you know, you're talking about the, uh, the coronavirus. Now, let me yeah. ask you guys a question. Okay, okay, now let's take it back from the 60s, from Mirror Mirror, right? Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay, now we know that the transport, the transport thing, everything has happened, right? There was no COVID involved, and then, and then you turn around, you I mean you turn around, you got D Space Nine, the same thing, including Enterprise. It was no COVID involved. So my question is, is I'm trying to understand you about the about the COVID, and and it, it came up from nowhere. So it's it, I mean, why don't you? I'm a Chucky since day one, and like you know the same thing that you know like um how did they, all the Star Trek movies you, you know the remake did you know you know what you know what um you know Chris Pine and all that right. So don't get me wrong. I love Parallel Universe because you know why? Because because it's good, it's good, good is evil. But the but the COVID the COVID the COVID thing, man. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, everything right now is getting crazy. I'm crazy right now. It is. I just I don't understand that. But you know what though? The the only thing I the only thing I love is like you know it 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 it's, it's gonna be repaired. But like I say, we never know. What's going on the next day or the next hour? We don't know that. So I agree with you guys about this. No, we 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 really don't know. We just have to sit back and see what happens. We have no control over that at all. That's true. You're right about that. That's true. You're right about that. You're gonna take. You're gonna take. We don't know what's going on. Everything right about that. Nope. It's like a, like you know, like one day at a time. Yep, that's all we can do. One day at a time. We do know that uh, we, we have Prodigy, which started tonight, and we do know mm-hmm. that the car is shut down because of COVID. Um, we have Discovery yeah. coming back, but beyond that, we, we just don't know how it's going to have any effect, unfortunately. 
So all we got to do is pray. That's all we have to do. That's all we can do. That's that's all we can do. We don't have any control over it at all. So that's true. Well, let's say. I mean, I mean, I'm a first time caller. It's the first time doing this. I'm sorry. I'm just the first time doing this. You know, so he, has, he has only to play and make sure because I say I, I'm really worried to see when Q come back. Uh, man, oh my God, that's gonna be crazy. I did I did read an article about John Delancey uh, having or uh, Jonathan Frakes, who directed the episode, uh, having a reunion with uh, with Patrick Stewart and John Delancey, uh, having direct them on set, and he also said that Fred Spiner was there as well, playing a new character. And the four of them were together for the first time on the set together in over 25 years. And he said it was so much fun to, to direct these three guys. It was like a high school reunion. So I'm looking forward to seeing that episode. What? That's, you know, that's true. You, remember that, that, you know what? That is true. It, it, that's true. He's looking at a high school reunion. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Yep. 25 years doing this. That's true. Yep. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. And what was your what was your name again? Um, Ray. Ray, and you're calling from New York yes. City. Are yes, you sir. in Brooklyn? No, the Bronx. You're the Bronx. So, so you're a mm-hmm. Yankee fan. <laughs> yes, I am. The whole Yankee fan. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Listen to me. Listen to me. I love basketball, too. Now, listen to me. If I say I love basketball football, now, now, I'm about to. If I say, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the Jets and Giants, y'all, you know what? Y'all need to hang with me right now. I'm not down with that. You know what I'm saying? With football, you know what I'm saying? I'm out of the state, including baseball, and, like, you know, you know like, including basketball. Well, I- I'm a Mets fan, so... You know, oh, take yeah, it or leave like it. <laughs> <laughs> like my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is a die-hard Mets fan. I swear to God, she's a die-hard Mets fan. Like I said, I cannot go to the house. If they got, like, I'm, 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 like I said, if I go to the house with a, 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 a green camera, a red camera right now, oh, hell, will be loose. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Oh, so. hell, break so Ray, what are you? Let me ask you. What are you looking forward? What What are you looking forward the most with all the new Star Trek coming out? Are you Are you, are you looking forward to Star Trek Picard, Strange New Worlds? Um, which one are you most excited for? I'm a new one because I okay I, okay uh, okay okay why don't you okay I'm old school okay no I'm old school you know why because I do I do record the same with Kirk I'm I'm a new one because I'm old school discovery you know what you know what because everything I mean don't get me wrong. They bring it back out because because of this situation, right? Okay, okay, I can respect that. But another one, like, like you know, like the car, you know, say you know, like the car, because you know what, you know, you know, he retired from Enterprise, you know, they say you know, you know, he's like, you know, you know, say he, I mean, I mean, he's in France, he's doing his thing, you know, you know, you know, the vials, everything else, you know what it's though. After what, twenty five, thirty five years later, you know what? I'm bored with retirement. I need to go back up there one more time just for the fun of it. Before I go out, go out. Right. Yep, I agree. I, and we're gonna we're gonna see yeah. that in season two and season three. So that's something to look forward to. Wait a minute, they're making a season two already. 
they're 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 they just stopped. Season two was finished. Season three they stopped filming because of the COVID um, on Monday. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll resume filming shortly and we'll be able to get season three. But we definitely are going to get season two. That's already finished. Good. That's what I'm waiting for because I love Q. I love Q. Yep, we're going to have to see what Q does does with Picard. So, well, Ray, you know what? I, I, I want to say thank you for calling. And you know what? I wish the Yankees all the best in 2022. We got to get through the lockout first and hope the baseball comes back. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Feel good, yeah, I feel good because you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you'll be, I'll be on my bench. I'm tired. What's your freaking um, you know, little league? <laughs> yep, I hear you. I hear you. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day or your night to give us a call, Ray. We really appreciate it. And just stay tuned for so, Star Trek: Picard. It's right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you guys on every Thursday. So, I mean, so can I call back next week. Yep, we're here every Thursday. Yep. I know same that. Bat time, time, same bat channel. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Ray. Have a good night. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. You too. Have a blessed too. All right. Bye. All right, guys. So that was Ray from the Bronx down in New York City. So um, I was going to say, I have a clip. Uh, it's funny because a lot of the fans – brought up in their comments a lot of the clips that I pick to discuss in tonight's episode, which is pretty cool. I guess that means I'm on par with the fans, which is cool. (laughs) So the first one I wanted to talk about was Zora says no. Requesting your presence in engineering. See? Here we go. Tell me you have some good news. Actually, we have a problem. Okay. What happened? I'll let Zora explain. Zora? I've determined the coordinates of the unknown species responsible for the DMA. That is great. Thank you. What's the problem, then? I've decided to keep that information to myself, Captain. Will you explain? If I give you the coordinates, it's highly likely that you and the crew will attempt to travel there. Given what we know about the powers these beings possess, you'd be in great danger. By withholding their location, I can keep you safe. I appreciate your concern for our well-being. But Zora, that is a decision for the captain of this ship and her superior officers to make. And as your captain, I require your compliance. Give us the coordinates. That's an order. I'm sorry, Captain. I will not. Dun, 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 dun. Can you believe that? Could you believe the ship's Enterprise saying no to Captain Kirk? The ship's computer on the Enterprise. Oh my God! No, you call him Sweetie. <laughs> yeah, Sweet. That's right, Sweetie. I when I was watching this episode, I kept getting, I kept thinking about V'ger, and what, what was making me think about V'ger was V'ger was just all this intelligence and knowledge without. And Spock says this simple hand holding my hand is a simple concept that V'ger just cannot comprehend. It needs that human connection. It needs to be able to leap beyond logic. And, of course, then Will Decker merges with V'ger, and we never see what happens after that. Well, this whole thing with Zora uh, kind of reminded me of V'ger a little bit, like a, a computer <laughs> learning, dealing with emotions. And I thought this, this, you know, if we ever went back to V'ger, 
I kind of think Zora would be what Viger is dealing with, what Viger would have to deal with. At least that's what popped in my mind when I was watching this episode. What, what did you think, Nate? Uh-oh, you're putting me on the spot again. <laughs> I, yeah, I like to do that. that. <laughs> you, you called in. Yep, you, I did you call put it. yourself <laughs> on the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're you're, you're fair about, game. Uh, okay. About her not giving the captain uh, the information? Yes. Is that your question? Yes. Uh, well, um, I think that she should have given uh, the captain, at, at this point of the, the story arc, uh, that she should have given uh, that information. Uh, she, she is the ship's computer, after all, but uh, she, she, she should have... Um, you know, just relay the information to her like uh, any good computer should have. Again, at this point in her story arc of the episode, that's how I feel. I wonder if Loaxana Troy's computer would have said that to Picard. You know, <laughs> nope, you can't have it. Sorry, ain't giving it to you. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think, Eric? You think you think that uh, Zora made the right choice here? Well, I actually think uh, I, I think I'd like to take a different tack and say that I think the Zora story is actually fundamentally different from like a Data slash V'ger type story because in the V'ger slash Data type stories, the character or the entity or whatever you want to call it is sort of granted emotions by by a result of something. Like in Data's case, there's an emotion chip that they put into him and was like, boom, all of a sudden I've got emotions. How do I deal with that? And in Viger's case, it's like Viger's very curious about what emotions are like. And so, boom, the only way I can learn about that is by merging with a human being and, and sort of taking that on. In Zora's case, it's really, really different because she has actually evolved emotions gradually along the way. And she's kind of like been, uh, emotions and even a subconscious, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later, has been bestowed upon her by the fact that there's just so much data. And I, and it's interesting because whenever I come back to Star Trek, I always kind of have this feeling about it all relates back to science, right? And actually there's a very interesting discussion related to religion that happened last week, but, but I didn't get a chance to comment on that. But, like, in this case, it always relates back to science. So what was the science of her achieving this sort of this subconscious, which is actually what directly relates to her ability to experience emotions? And the emotions evolved over time. So I think it's a little bit, even though it's, like, sort of similar to V'ger slash Data, it's fundamentally different because it evolved over time, and it's always who she's been. It's not like I was this character and then I became this character after this event happened. True. Very, very true. What do you, what do you think, Shannon? You think that you think that Zora made the right choice by saying no to Captain Burnham? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's the right choice, but it makes sense because, you know, the sentience thing, I know you all know I went to and I did talk about sentience in Star Trek like yep. six weeks ago. But that was That's yeah, that was I the whole thing. Is like, when is the... <laughs> yes, but so yes, I have to you know 
is she a sentient or not? She seems to be sentient because no, whatever parameter we gave her, she has it. So it makes sense to say no, even if it's not even just for them, it would put her in danger. And it makes sense that if you're sentient, you don't want to throw yourself into a dangerous situation like that either. So That's, I'm I, glad I had, that right. they did right. that. Yeah. I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't thought point. about that, but you make a good point. That's a very good Although point. It is, it is consistent with needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, which is cool, well, too. She, she gets to that point later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're, we're we're this is the beginning. We we got another clip to talk about a little bit later on, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So what do you think, David? I I get the vibe feeling of the Borg coming in soon. The Borg story for some reason because sentient AI definitely Borgish. Um, I'm definitely feeling like there's some sort of uh, another twist that we're about to see. Who knows? It might be uh, the finale of season four. I don't know. Well, I, I do want to point out something, though, Dave. Last week, when you were filling in for, uh, for when we had all these people filling in for Eric, and we were talking about um, what could possibly happen, you you actually said that they could put Zora into a, a new body, kind of like a hologram, maybe like the holographic doctor or maybe maybe a data-like body, and that was one of the things that Dr. Kovic was going to do, let Zora choose her own body and put her in a body. And I thought, wow, that's exactly what David said on the show last week. So see that? You're psychic. You didn't even know it. (laughs) (laughs) Although she does say she's as integrated with her form as any human being is. So, uh, you know, if you're comfortable with, as a human being, taking your consciousness and you know, putting it in a floating sphere, then I guess that's the allegory to taking her out of her body. Right. They do that in Picard. Well, they do. I want to talk about Gray a little bit later as, uh, you know, in relation to this. We we are. We are. And, And Charles, you get the caboose on this one. What do you think? Right or wrong for Zora to say no? Well, I think... I agree with Kovic that as a group, Zora's beyond just artificial intelligence. I think she's going beyond just an artificial intelligence. But I think there is a true intelligence there, and that I think it is something we have to be careful of, and they want to be cautious. But they worry about themselves and others. Well, I think it definitely, I think, I understand why she did it. And I wouldn't blame her for why she did it. Right. And at this point, she's kind of like a child. I don't, she doesn't really under, well, we'll talk about this a little bit later. She doesn't really understand the ramifications of her decisions and how they, how they fit into the the hierarchy of Starfleet yet. What it actually means to, to say no to your captain. And, uh, Later on, she comes to that realization, but at this point in time, she hasn't yet. So, yeah. Well, listen, guys, we have to take our final commercial break of the evening. That's right. We've got to take another quick commercial break. So, Ray, run down to the pizza place and grab your slice of self a slice of pizza because nothing is better than New York City pizza. I can tell you that for a fact. So run down, grab yourself some pizza, and um, call.
come right back. See, now I'm getting hungry. I could go for some pizza. They don't make it as good up here in Vermont as they do down in New York, especially King's Pizza on uh, 6th Avenue in Brooklyn between 5th and 6th Avenue. That's the place to go. Maybe Ray could run down. The advertisement, huh? Yeah, grab some (laughs) pizza. So listen, guys, we're going to be right back after we hear this very important message from Jamie. Hi, this is Jamie from Check Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. We're talking about Star Trek Discovery, but to connect. And um, this next clip, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call it Burnham gets burned. I, I kind of liked it. <laughs> it's my understanding that Zora's been experiencing emotions. Seems to be a natural evolution. Has she refused an order before? This is new, but I am confident she'll give me the coordinates. I just need some more time with her. I wasn't aware that we shared a background in cognitive science. With a specialty in artificial sentience and intelligence? We don't. What I do have is an established baseline of trust. It hasn't paid off. When Admiral Vance asked me to see to this matter, he was quite clear. Time sensitive, highest priority. I can handle it. It's my ship. Well, the Starfleet says. And there are, are regulations prohibiting fully sentient integrated units. If that's what she is, we may be just at the beginning of our problems. Captain Soru will get me situated with Zora. Your presence is needed at President Rillick's assembly. Sir, with all due respect. Spare no credit to Captain. We both have our duties to attend to. Burn. I just, uh, I had to throw <laughs> that one in there because uh, how often does Burnham get burned like that? I think that's Never. the first time. I love when she gets put down a peg. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I put this one in here just for Nate. Um, I just like, you know, here's Burnham throwing out her logic and da da da. And he's like, hey, hit the bricks, babe. All right. I'm dealing with this. Go to your conference. And just kind of puts the flame right out, takes the burn out of the burn right off the bat. And uh, so I just, I just had to throw that one in there <laughs> just because it doesn't happen that often. And I just wanted to share that and see what you guys thought about that. But the big thing I want to mention that I think came out of this episode um, was this clip. You have to go back in there and convince them. Those are the only plan that makes any sense. Your captain is very good at poking holes. The risk level's the issue, okay? Tell them you'll make it safer. One doesn't make isolated weapons safer. Misses the point. What's your next move? I don't know yet. We're about to vote. I'm acutely aware of that. Thank you. I got rid of my scar the second I could. We all wear grief in our own ways. It has to be you. You have to talk to them. Convince them to let us destroy that thing. Why do you care so much about this? Well, I can't want the DMA destroyed just like any other good galactic citizen. 
Good citizens aren't worried about finding their moment and aren't gutted at the idea of losing it. Power source that controls the device. I need to go home. You said you were from Ryzen. My new home. It's far. Another universe, in fact. The mirror universe. You say that like it's the only other option. There are countless parallel universes, each with its own quantum signature. He knew of one. No war, no burn, no emerald chain. A place where we could be free and have peace. So this is this is this is where Star Trek as fans. As we know we have the Kelvin universe, we have the mirror universe, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh when when Lorca's looking at the uh the spore drive after Stamets does his nine hundred and ninety five million jumps in the first season and all those little holes are portals mm-hmm. to other universes. But this is actually as far as as far as I know, and again I'm long on the tooth and I'm a bit senile, but to my knowledge, I think this is the first time that Star Trek has actually, in canon, acknowledged that there's more than the mirror universe. Am I am I wrong or You're am I right, Nate? You you are wrong because there's a whole episode yeah. of T- TNT called Parallels, if I'm not mistaken, and we have a bearded, a very bearded Riker that is from a universe that the Borg have won in. So they have but, acknowledged many other ones before. Yeah, but that but but that particular episode that was created because of an anomaly. Right. But so, it's still yeah, so, another another universe out there. Yeah, but I agree with Nate. Is universe an anomaly? Yeah, yeah, you gotta what? agree with Nate on this one because it it like the in that episode there's literally enterprises from different parallel universes looking at each other. So come on. Yeah, but that was, you know, that was created <laughs> kind of <laughs> by Q. <laughs> Q created an anomaly that went back in time that created that. That you know was Starfleet. Here's here's what I will give you. I believe, and I might be wrong, but I believe that this is the first time that the that the term mirror universe is actually used in Star Trek. I don't believe that they actually say mirror universe in any episode except this one. And I think that includes Discovery entirety of season two. I don't think they say really? the word mirror. I'm not positive, wow. but I'm pretty sure because when they said that, it was like a Pavlovian trigger for me because it's just not a term that has been used off like any place other than off the screen before. So I hope that a listener or one of you guys can disprove me if it's, if it's true. <laughs> I, but I think, I think I can disprove because I believe in Deep Space Nine, they have actually mentioned the term mirror universe. Do they say mirror? When they were, yeah, because when they went through the uh, transporter, they transported into the mirror universe. And I um, can't remember exactly who said it, but I believe it might have been Kira or somebody over there mentioned the mirror universe because they noticed that they were able to transport back and forth between time and mirror. So I don't know. Maybe. I could be well, wrong about it, that too. 
it is an exciting like idea that now, Jim, I agree, Jim. I feel like this is kind of a moment, even though it's kind of been hinted at before, this is like a time when they explicitly were like, okay, listen, there's a whole bunch of parallel universes. You know, we saw this in like the Boldly Go um, comic series, which was uh, huge and totally awesome and showed how many universes could possibly expand and, and, and become things. And so then the fact that they've canonized that now, I feel like officially, I agree with you, Jim. This is kind of the Well, now, oh, yeah, they're all holding them. Now they've acknowledged that you can get to these places with enough power. Mm-hmm. Right. Before, before this, you had to have a transporter accident over Telogia during an <laughs> ice storm during an even month of an odd day where the atmosphere was filled with the lithium, and then you'd end up there. Um, and then Scotty could work his magic to get you back. But um, now, they know, now they've said, hey, look, here's these universes, and all we need is power. Poof, we can go there. And that's something they haven't really, you know, well, we I mean, Lorca, Lorca sort of. I mean, Lorca knew that, but it was the mirror. He knew he was trying to get back to his universe, and he knew that the way to get there was the spore drive, which in the a lot of ways drive. is a is a you know, and is a cool source of power that we've never had before in Star Trek. Yes, yes, but, that that, that definitely. Let's also let's also quote with the help of memory Alpha. The Kovic mm-hmm. remarks that there have been no crossing between the two oh, universes for right. over 500 years. Right, right, right. Yeah. Also, didn't they no. also mention no Q interactions in that time? Well, they haven't who had knows? Q interactions in that ma- close of that ma- time also. Yeah, I think yeah. it's 600 years for Q. Uh, Vance says that. Now, did the Rising scientist say that he was from the Mirror Universe? No, 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 no. no. I want to clarify. He actually doesn't say he's from. What he says is, I want to go to my real home, which is in this other universe. So I think the implication is that he's actually from this universe, but his friend actually discovered a universe where there's no war, there's no burn, there's no emerald chain, and that's where he wants to go, and he considers that his real home. So he's not from another universe trying to get back. He's from this universe trying to get to a better one. Uh, right. Okay. Yep. And as we've discussed many, 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 many times before, you don't have to switch with your counterpart to go there. Nope. And that's a misconception yep. that a lot of people have because of Mirror Mirror where they all switched, but that was during a transporter accident and blah, blah, blah. You, you know, because we saw Kira meet the attendant on Deep Space Nine, they didn't switch. So you can go to a mirror universe or a parallel universe and meet your counterpart without having an intergalactic collapse of time because 1.21 gigawatts collapsed, you know. You, none of that, you know. I got a question. I in the mirror universe, actually. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Um, I was just thinking, out of all the series, have they all interacted with mirror universes? And at that time, were all the mirror universes the same? The answer to your first we question is no. So. The answer to your second question mm-hmm. is yes, because TNG yeah. never interacted with the mirror universe. But but they did have right. the parallel universes. 
It, they did, correct, but they did not touch on the mirror universe. And then during DS9, they actually showed the aftermath of the, of the mirror universe specifically from TOS. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hi. And Voyager didn't do a mirror universe either, although they did. They the did comics. not, but the comic Mirrors and Smoke was awesome. You should read it. So, but you know, you can always yeah. go talk to, to Commander Ransom and ask how he slides from one dimension to another. That's right. That's true. That's true. I forgot about him. That's That's still my favorite show he was ever on with sliders. Absolutely. It was a good show. I, I, you know, any, any show that kind of like takes place in multiple universes, I'm on board, man. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I have, I have another clip here that I want to play. Mission to address. Where is it? Of course. I'm Cleveland Booker, son of Quajon. I stand here as what my people would call Malaysi, speaker for the dead. My planet's lost. My family. I feel the final moments every day. I pray none of you ever have to experience that kind of pain. And I want to do whatever it takes to ensure you don't. Communication and diplomacy has been the way of the Federation for centuries. I too value those things in normal times, but these are not normal times. Irreparable harm has already been done. We need to defend ourselves. I recognize using Targa's weapon carries risk, but so does not using it. Don't wait until the people you love are taken from you before you act. You don't want that on your conscience. Trust me. On behalf of all who have been lost, please, end this now. Okay, so this was, this was, this is the meat and potatoes. This is the one I really want to talk about. Uh, That was Booker's argument for why they should nuke the species 10C. Um, and basically, they want to use they they want to use these catalytic converters, isolytic or, um, weapons, isolytic, isolytic and, weapons. Yeah. Yep, they want to destroy <laughs> subspace and prevent warp travel in this whole area. And there could be ripples that would affect everything around it. It could backlash through the wormhole and do God knows what damage to the to the species 10C. And they lay this all out. And Booker's like, nope, it doesn't matter. We got to do it. Blah, blah, blah. So uh, Burnham answers that. And then we end up having a book versus Burnham in this particular episode. And in this particular episode, I thought it was cool because a few episodes ago, they put Burnham on the council. And here she is on the council. I just thought that was neat that we finally got to see the council that they said they were going to make. They actually made it. And there she was. And so that was Booker's argument for why they should nuke uh, Species 10C. And this is Burnham's argument for why they shouldn't, but it's intertwined, and I want to say brilliantly intertwined, Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. the damage argument with Zora. 
So it kind of it's kind of all twisted together. So this is this is Booker saying why they should nuke NC. This is Burnham saying why they shouldn't, and Stamet saying why he doesn't trust Zora. They're all kind of one thing. And I want to play this, and then I want to dive into it and see what you guys think. Our experiences shape us. That's what makes this so difficult. I'd like to trust you, Zora, just like I trust the rest of the crew. I want to get there, but it's really hard. Before we head down a path that could lead to destruction on both sides, we need to reach first for understanding. I'm trying to understand you. Trying to get my head around how they can be so okay with this, and I'm not. For generations, the Federation has sought out new life, new civilizations, not to destroy, but to connect, even in the face of uncertainty. And we are not all Federation members, but those ideals can still guide us, especially them. We cannot let fear define us in this moment. Trust is a choice, and I can make that choice if it goes both ways. We're all in this together. Wherever we come from, whatever our experiences, and the only way we get through this. The only way we'll move forward is together. And that means you need to trust us too, Zora. We need those coordinates. We need to decide, who do we want to be? Do we lash out blindly, no matter the risk? Or do we proceed thoughtfully, work toward the future we want to live in? I believe that's who we are. We wouldn't be here otherwise. We don't have the luxury of asking philosophical questions right now. What matters is the actions we take, stopping this thing today. There are different points of view in this room, I know. But I hope that when a decision is reached, whatever it is, that we can hold together, that we can move forward as a united front. Some differences are too great. Sometimes we just have to accept the consequences of that. You've given me much to consider, Commander Stamets. I'd like to take a moment. Beautifully expressed, Commander. Um, living with a therapist, you pick up a thing or two. I've reflected on what you've said, Commander. As trust is both an emotional and logical act, I began with a behavioral performance assessment. Data shows your actions and the crew's to be consistently taken with care for others and the Federation. I hadn't considered that earlier. Even if some fear remains, this new realization is quite calming. And your request for reciprocity, understandable. Thank you, Commander, for reaching toward me. What are those? The coordinates. So, yeah, there's so much to unwrap in there. Um, there's a lot there. A lot of Star Trek there. Um, of course, the, the, next, the, the next scene, which I didn't want to uh, go too long was when when Zora says it's nice to finally be seen and that was another that was an important line that I wanted to get in but I, I couldn't fit it in there because that scene went kind of long but uh, okay. Shannon you want to you want to 
start us off here. What, what did you think? Of, who do you think was right, Booker or, or Burnham or Stamets? <laughs> well, I think everybody was right, which is why it was such a good episode, because it depends on your perspective. But the idea for Star Trek, well, I like Star Trek, is because it's a better version of the future. That's why I always like Star Trek. So you want to hopefully find these creatures and hope and work with them as opposed to, you know, they may not have meant to hurt anybody. Because I was actually talking to some of my friends yesterday, and, you know, once they annihilated Booker's planet, they kept moving away from other planets. They haven't destroyed another planet. That may have been an accident. So we don't want to kill I them. I agree. I, I agree completely. I'm I'm totally in your corner, Shannon. I, I there's been no proof that it was that it was malice, that it was intentional. And if it was, they could have been tearing through planets the whole time right now, and they didn't. But they did destroy that asteroid, the prison asteroid. So that's that another they thing that they destroyed that had people on it. That's true. They did destroy mm-hmm. the asteroid. Yep. Only one person they did. Right. Mm-hmm. And he chose to die. That guy. Right. That's a whole different subject. <laughs> yeah, he, he chose to die. What do you think, Eric? Uh, well, so far it seems like the DMA has not exhibited any behavior other than complete randomness. Like they have not been able to achieve any sort of uh, pattern uh, to the thing. And so I... 100% agree with the Vulcans and not the United Earth in that uh, you should approach this situation as a possible first contact. Um, I personally, it wasn't included in this particular clip that we just played, but the, the clip where uh, Burnham talks about the, the worms eating whatever they eat and like we don't ascribe malice to them because it's just the way they are. That to me was pretty telling that uh, as Shanna was just saying, it's all about your perspective. Um, you know, and it's very clear at the beginning of this clip that Tarka is a manipulator. Like he has one thing in mind and all he wants yep. to do is get to this parallel universe where he thinks life is going to be awesome. And it's probably because he was a Orion slave. You know, there's a very nice moment here where Book says he got rid of his scar as soon as he could. And Tarka's like, well, I keep, you know, we each remember in our own ways. Um, but I, I, Tarka's such a manipulator that he's, he's so dirty. <laughs> he's definitely a guy that you do not, you do not trust. But Burnham, you know, in the, in the parallel scene to this one uh, among the delegation, she says some really important things. She says, you know, first we must, re- we must reach for understanding. Um, you know, the truth is that uh, how can we possibly kind of understand each other unless we're looking at each other from each other's perspectives? And the whole idea is to not destroy, but to connect with one another. And that's a huge, huge theme in this um, season of Discovery. So I, I love this scene. I personally think this particular scene where they're kind of like showing the Stamets thing and then they're go- going back to the Burnham thing and they're showing them both simultaneously, this scene right here is a 10 to me among this season's scenes so far because it just ties everything together so well and, and in an unpretentious sort of way. You can you can very clearly see the connection without like it being totally shoved down your throat. So I really like this scene. And I, I I particularly like the way the way Stamets is reaching for Zora and you yeah. see the mm-hmm. outcome 
and Zora Zora reaches back and they 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 come to an agreement and it's the exact same parallel of what's going on with with this 10C species and what Burnham's trying to say. We need to reach out for them and yeah, give them. Mm-hmm. Mammoth, and, yeah, and exactly. Mammoth has been kind of the, like the prickly pear all along, and so I actually felt it was a really natural evolution to have him be the one that was the skeptic, right? He's like, oh, my God, I got blown out an airlock for, for control. You know, how am I going yep. to resolve this, like, being okay with an AI thing? And I, we, we're not going to get into it. I don't want to dive too deep down the rabbit hole because I know we have limited time. But there's this whole concept that um, the Federation has a, an edict against integrated AIs also that kind of plays into this thing. And you got to wonder what the history of that is. It probably something to do with the M5, maybe, you know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it comes all the way from M5, and I, and I think it, you know, probably there's some synth stuff in there, some stuff from Picard, you know, a, a, there's absolutely a fear of control involved there. So, so you know, do the people in the 32nd century remember control from the 23rd century? I don't know. Is is. The point is that it's very nice that eventually they recognize her as a non-dangerous thing, which we'll get to here in a minute. And what do you think, Charles? Booker or Burnham? Well, I worry that they say, well, what's this weapon going to do? Does yeah. this guy really care what the weapon's going to do? He does not. He's going to a different universe. He Exactly. I was just talking in chat, and I think Shannon just agreed with me. Are you sure we haven't met our new Lorca? Mm-hmm. This guy yep. sounds like the Lorca, and I'm worried of the fact that we just got over the burn. Yeah. We're just recovering from the burn. And what if we set this thing off and we get something equivalent to the burn again? Maybe it's not destroying dilithium, but how many how many sectors might we lose over this war? I don't think it's something I'd rather try a peaceful method and not destructive to see how many how much we can lose from both sides. But it shows I right. love as we I love with I agree with Eric. This one scene Mm-hmm. For this season is a ten because I love how they yep. intertwine the two stories together. It's like they wrote that scene perfectly where it's intertwined between them both, and we get both we get trying to see Burnham and Booker to what they're going to do to what Samus is trying to do, and we're getting the two stories intertwined together. Well, and it shows you what fear can do to a people, right? I think that's like one of the other yeah. main points of this scene is it's like, okay, we could live our lives in fear. And what does that do? Well, fear leads to destruction. Whereas at least if you approach a situation with an open hand, like you could get punched in the face. Okay, yes. And then you'll learn something. But if you don't extend your hand at first, how will you ever know if that could have worked or not? Exactly. True. But I love the fact of also discovering that, okay, Zora's got 
a memory in her core that she didn't create. Yeah. Awesome. But she's got a subconscious in there that she cares about the crew. She cares about people. It's like, okay, this is an interesting direction for Zora. How do we get Zora towards Calypso? Well, we're getting Zora because Zora is becoming a... Zora is not just a computer. Zora is another character on the ship. Absolutely. And another, Absolutely. another one that we actually care about. And doesn't I, I personally think this episode, too, with its multiple universe recognition, actually now is connecting more to Calypso than it ever has, because we've always been like, well, how can the Discovery look like the old Discovery, but be a thousand years in the future when we know that everything has changed at this point? Well, if there is the existence of infinite multiple universes, Calypso does not have, have to have have to have happened in either the prime or mirror universes, right? It could be another parallel universe where the discovery That's never got upgraded with 30 second techno 32nd century technology. Very true. That could be the universe where prime Lorca is hanging out. It could be, could man. Be. And it's the only short track that has not directly connected back to one of the shows. Right. Until, until exactly. now, I feel, I feel this is the connection. And uh, David, what do you think, Burnham, Burnham or Booker? Both. <laughs> yeah. Good answer. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking that um, I'm kind of agreeing what uh, Janet had said about you know how Star Trek is like. It all depends on the perspectives and everything, and also that I think I think that if they go with um, Booker. And that like Julian guy, I'm um, wondering if um, if they explode something that will cause the mirror universe to intertwine with the prime, as in like opening up a doorway that will be permanently open or something for something to happen. But if if not, then you know they can always use duct tape to close it. But yeah. um, <laughs> true. <laughs> Uh, I was just wondering, though, that um, if they go with uh, um, Burnham, um, huh? trying to make peace and everything, the idea that we got in the trailer that they mentioned um, the new alien race, what they called M8 or something like that. 10C. 10C. Something like that. And so they are from, like, a different galaxy from what I understood. Yeah, yeah, from outside our galaxy beyond the Great Barrier. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going both with them because it, it, it could be interesting either way how they end up making a twist at the end of the season. But yeah, I guess we will have to wait and see. Well, no, and I, Nate, you're not the. I was gonna say Star Nate, Trek has has gone beyond the galaxy before, so that's, that's all. true. Nate, you get the caboose. What do you think, Booker or Burnham? Who's who's right here? Well, uh, I um, I I agree that uh, both sides are, and I posted this. Both sides uh, uh, had a compelling argument. I was all, of course, he was the first one to speak. I was all for his uh, his um, uh, books 
uh, reasonings and uh, that speech, I, I was like, hey, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, and then uh, then we had uh, uh, Burnham's, and as she was giving her speech, I was like, nope, that's exactly the Star Trek answer. That is the Federation answer, and she said it right in her speech that they, you know, basically boldly go to seek out new life and new civilizations. That's that's what, and I also think of the board game, Star Trek Ascendancy, which is a great board game. If you guys have never played it, I know Charles so and I good. have. It's he so just good. bought it recently. I love it. it with, the board, with that board game, uh, you have different ways, each faction has different ways to do uh, the victory conditions. And the Federation, when they their victory condition is all through diplomacy. So that that is what I'm saying. That's the right way in in her speech. Now I want to bring up though about book speech is the scientists. Do you guys think uh, that that scientist is kind of playing uh, using uh, books uh, tragedy? Yes. For yes. his own benefit, yep. he's a manipulator. Yeah. Do, do you yep. think then that uh, his passionate speech uh, suffers because of the fact that he's being used by that scientist? Uh, I do, oh, I think, and I think I, I think, think that book is in a position right now where he doesn't know what's going on, man. Like he has so much PTSD right now. In fact, this is the time when he kind of we didn't, or was it last week when he the the religion kind of acknowledgement within Star Trek. Uh, I think that was last week. Like that's a, that's a new thing. And book has experienced something that nobody else has actually experienced in Star Trek before. So I absolutely believe that he was being manipulated and that his response was a direct result of that manipulation of Tarka. And I think he's still being manipulated at the end of the episode when they jump away. Well, Tarka seeks yeah. him out intentionally he does. So he knows he set, he's uh, him as a mark. He's a grifter. Yeah, he set this whole thing up because he knew he could play on the sympathy that yep. book would garner from the com- from the committee. He did totally. it. He and planned it all. Around, he's like, he did it. He set it all up exactly like Lorca set up Stamets in season one. Yep. Exactly the yep. same. <laughs> he played him like a cheap fiddle. He did. <laughs> so. Um, so we got that, and one more thing we I want to well I got two more things I want to mention. We're going to go over a little bit, but that's okay. So this week we <laughs> say goodbye to another character, and uh, they're dropping like flies here. But if you remember when when the, the show first started, they said this would be like a Game of Thrones, and that any character could be gone at any time. So um, here we are. They're great. Um, what do you think? What do you think, Eric? Uh, well, I think it's cool that they've sent Gray off to Trill because obviously he had a a moment uh, when he saw Trill and was like, okay, that is where I need to go. I have a little bit of a problem with the way they led him into being a guardian in training because I don't think it totally fits in with DS9. But that being said... I think it is interesting that they've taken the couple of Adir and Gray who they've kind of established as a, um, you know, as a unit, but yet they were kind of hinting at the fact that Gray didn't feel very useful. And I actually think Gray has been super useful in the whole storyline of the integration of Zora with her own body, 
and like how do you become a new entity and all this kind of stuff like gray was there on the bridge talking about this stuff because gray was the only one who had any experience with this so despite the fact that he was extremely useful i think over the last couple of episodes particularly with the Zora storyline i think it's cool that they took him off the bridge because now it gives um, him a chance to kind of explore this other aspect and maybe we get a little bit more trill uh lore kind of thrown in other than just the little bit of stuff that we have from ds9 and a little bit of stuff that we have from this show too so i uh i think they're going to bring back tilly i know they're going to bring back gray so i i don't have a problem uh with them leaving the show ish and you know (laughs) and we also know from the trailer that they're going to bring back non Yep. And did you notice? I was waiting to say that the whole time. She didn't have the little yep. breather thing, so there's like some 30 second technology dead going on there too. It's cool. Yep. <laughs> so we're gonna see her. So, uh, so what what do you think, Shannon? Are you what do you think about the whole thing with Gray going to Trill? Good idea, bad well, idea. I what do you think? I think it's a good idea because you know they're really young. The actors, well, the characters are really young, so that's a normal evolution for them. But also, it'll give you see how Dara does on her on their own because we've never seen them on their own because they were a joined thing until recently. Right. So right. it'll be right. cool to see that. And in the last episode, Adira actually said, "I did this," as opposed to the symbiont did it in the other episode. So that's good that they're like recognizing it's them yep. now. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I got one more. Uh, I want to make sure I get make get everybody's rating for this episode, but I have one more clip, which which is another one that I loved. I just <laughs> loved this one. Uh, we saw Burnham get burned, but we also got to see <laughs> another character pull a Burnham on Burnham. And that's this scene right here. Ninety-four seconds before they realize it's gone and figure out I'm the one who took it. Introducing the next generation spore drive. That's boring. Aurelio needs to come up with a better name. <laughs> so where's the nav system in this floating bachelor pad of yours? What? It's tiny. Oh, I'm sorry. The ability to rapidly install into any ship is not enough for you. As we get past the need for a navigator. Be the hero of Starfleet. Hopefully not here to accept the accolades. Down to 52 seconds. Wait for it. Bit of a different looking interface, but it works the same as on Discovery. Next part's all you. Just one thing I need to do first. Zora, can you find... Grudge? Grudge is five meters from your current location. Yes, I see that. Hold on. Why? Zora? Where is Book? He is located on board his ship, which is currently leaving Shasta. Book, no. Please, no. So Burnham was always going rogue and doing what she wanted, mm-hmm. regardless of her orders. And here we have Book doing the same thing to Burnham. So that's twice mm-hmm. in the same episode that she got burned. <laughs> <laughs> Once by Kovic, and then, and then here we have Booker pulling a Burnham on her. 
and doing what he thinks is right regardless. So I wanted to squeeze that in real quick, and I want to go around and get everybody's scores because we're, we're actually out of time. So we'll start off with Nate because I didn't get a chance to read your score on our Facebook page. So what did you, what did you give this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, Nate? I gave this the highest score I have given any Discovery episode, and that is a nine. Wow, that's pretty uh-huh. high praise. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> that is. Yep. All right. How about you, David? Um, well, I'm going to be giving this one a 9.6. Wow. 9.6. Wow. Jeez, we're we're rolling here. How about you, Shannon? How <laughs> big a 9.8? This is all that we talked about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, we're we're, we're going up. We're, we're going yep. up. We're 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 going up. How about you, Charles? You're going to going to keep keep going or uh, I'm not going to keep it going up, but I wasn't sure exactly where to put it, but <laughs> I want to see what they do with this episode, but I'm still going to say about, let's say, 9.3. 9.3. Okay. Okay. Well, Eric, the pressure's on. <laughs> I guess it is, man. <laughs> well, Give it I <laughs> I, I absolutely love this episode. Um, I am a huge DS9 fan, and this was a diplomatic thriller, much like uh, much of the DS9 series. So, I, yeah, I'll give this one a 9.2, which is my highest score of the season. Um, I still think they can push that ceiling just a little higher, but, man, it was so good. It was so good. Well, that, that leaves me, and um, I'm going to mm-hmm. drop a caveat here. I'm going to go. say – here we go. I'm going to give this episode a 10 of the ones what? we've seen so wow. far. What? Of the ones? Wow. Okay. okay, that's fair. What? The ones oh, we've the ones seen so far. So okay, far. I think yeah. this one by far is the <laughs> best. Of the, of all the ones we've seen so far, this one takes the cake. Yeah. Um, I think so it's far. the best Star Trek trekkiest one we've seen yet. It's so trippy. Yeah. I love that, Shannon, and I'd love to have another half an hour to talk about what exactly that means, but you're totally right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah. going to give this one a 10 out of 10 so far. So there you have it. So, guys, <laughs> our average we're out of time. way higher than, uh, than uh, the, the Facebook fans. user. Yeah. yeah, what are the fans rate? What was that, 8.6? 8. 8. Yeah. Which was still the highest, but yeah. Yeah, so we're we're still on par with the fans. We gave it the highest. Nate gave it the highest too. That's that's really a stamp right there. Dude, a nine from, so, right. from Nate. I is seven, nine. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so uh, we're out of time, guys. Our first show of 2022. We got the whole gang together, and we even had Ray from the Bronx calling in tonight, which is awesome. So I want to say thank you to Ray for listening and calling in. It was great to hear from Ray down in the Bronx. We got to say thank you so much to Shannon for calling in and Trek talking. Thank you, Shannon. Anytime. And we got to say thank you to David. Thanks for calling and hanging out with us tonight, David. You're welcome. That was fun. It's always fun, isn't it? And of course, Nate, we got to say thank you to Nate from Vegas for hanging with us. Thanks, Nate. Yep, you're welcome. I'll try to be more of a Debbie Downer next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
we're going to be talking about Prodigy next week. So, um, yeah, although that episode was pretty <laughs> awesome. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. And, of course, we couldn't do the show without my Trek experts. Thank you so much to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Charles, thanks. Oh, it's been a great show. Great start to the new year. And some of the things I've heard teasing on tonight's episode, today's episode of Prodigy. I can't wait. Yep, next week we'll tackle that. And, of course, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Eric. You better believe it. Thanks to all of you. What a great start to 2022. Live long and prosper, y'all. It, it has been awesome. Before we go, I mentioned it at the top of the show, and I'm going to mention it now for all you guys that are out there listening. We have a great show planned for you guys next week. Um, you, you definitely want to tune in. You can't make it to a convention. You want to talk to a Star Trek actor or a Star Trek fan. Live on the show, next week's show is for you. We're going to have with us <coughs> – excuse me. Uh, I need a drink. I've been talking too much. I'm dry. <laughs> Noah Avar Katz is going to be with us. He played uh, Rin, the Andorian that got his antenna whacked off by Osiris in Season 3 of Discovery. He's also married to Mary Tilly Wiseman. He's a huge Star Trek fan. He was a Star Trek fan before he was on Star Trek. So he's got stories to share from both sides of the table. And he's a huge D&D fan. So we're going to be talking to him live on this show. So give us a call at 646-668-2433 next Thursday and have your questions ready. There's only one, one caveat to that. He will not talk about season four of Discovery because he signed an NDA. So if you want to right. call and ask him about the DMA or about anything that's going on this season, he cannot talk about that. But anything from season three and back, he's more than happy to talk about. So give us, give us a call next week and talk to Noah. It'll be a blast. So, guys, I just want to say I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. I hope everybody has a great 2022. And please, I want everybody to stay safe and be good to each other. We're going to end the show on a slightly different note this week. Usually I end it off with Captain Picard saying, let's see what's out there. But I want to butter your biscuits a little bit and wet your whistles for Discovery. So we're going to end the show with the season trailer and uh, uh, season premiere trailer for for, um, episode 8, 408. And this is it. So give it a listen and and, uh, enjoy Star Trek Prodigy and join us next week. Good night, everybody. Night. Good night. Live long and prosper. Booker and Tarka must be stopped. Whatever the cost, he become too close to this. I believe that there is no one else who could possibly correct his path. How long do you need to build a weapon? 24 hours should do it. This will stop the DMA. No one else has to die. This isn't an easy mission, but it is critical that we succeed. Outside Federation territory. You leave without a weapon, without a badge, without authority. And there may be a few surprises. Let's get to it. I have If Booker and Tarka succeed, they risk provoking a highly advanced species capable of destroying us all. Just before I get to say I was born ready. Something is coming. A life form. Whatever we think we know about species 10C, we're wrong. Let's see what's out there.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.